Decisis is brought to you in part by the Blindberg Wellness Committee. Thanks. And by Great Inflation. The elephant in the room that nobody wants to poke. Making Blindbrook great since 1973. Let's. So this week, I would like to talk about campaign finance with you, Marco. So fun topic. Yeah, very fun. Um, so basically, I guess we'll start with the history of of the legislation behind campaign finance, and then we can go into some of the court cases that struck down portions of campaign finance reform acts and upheld other portions, leading all the way up to um, the one of the more recent campaign finance uh, Supreme Court decisions, which has become notorious at this point, which is called uh, Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission, which was decided, I believe it was in 2009, might have been in 2012, one of the two, anyway. Um, and so basically what, what, what happened was since the 70s, since the early 70s, our, you know, the, the United States legislature basically recognized a need to have reform of campaign finance. They figured, you know, we have to, we can't have untethered money uh, that are just influencing politics. There needs to be some type of limit. There needs to be, you know, regulations. And so ever since the 70s, you have sort of these, you have a trend of legislation that has been enacted. And it's, I mean, trend is sort of a, uh, a very general word for this, but there's, there have been two instances where campaign finance reform has been, or three, I guess, major ones where campaign finance has been enacted. Um, and then the, the court has, has gone on to strike down certain portions of it, uh, basically weakening campaign finance reform up until the early 21st century when Citizens United came about. Um, and we will get to what that decision said in a bit. So, uh, I hope that makes sense. So we, we'll start with the first, or the first major, one of the first major uh, reform acts. In, in 1971, there was the Federal Election Campaign Act, which was passed. Uh, it was passed under Nixon, but I believe Ford signed it. Anyway, not not important, um, except Watergate, but that's fine. That's not, anyway. Okay, so um, what... Well, you should stop, because I think Watergate sort of... We need to talk about Watergate because when you when you think about f campaign finance reform, one of the major sort of major reasons why you get any conversation <clears throat> with regards to passing comprehensive campaign finance reform is the fact that Watergate demonstrated that there were terrible things that could be happening in the in you know behind the curtain. Right. And so the idea was we need to make sure that we somehow um, allow for sunlight, allow for transparency. Right. And so the thought was, you know, as Watergate's taking place, um, the thought was we need to do something to have some sort of, um, to remove some of the corruption and some of the negative influences of all of this. That's a good point. I mean, you're right. Watergate was sort of the spark to uh, to the legislature's fire to get right. this started. To Congress, right. You're right. That's what I meant. Yes, yeah. Congress. So, um, so when we talk about the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971, this was the most comprehensive effort by the government to regulate federal campaign contributions and spending. What campaign contributions and spending are, just sort of generally, it's when, you know, private interest groups or... Um, you know, private citizens, uh, at this point, corporations, unions would give money to different campaigns, to different candidates to try and have their interests represented in the political sphere. This sort of goes to a greater point about the Iron Triangle, but that, you know, with the interplay between government and special interest and legislation, but we can get to that later. That's not as big of a point, I think, now. So let's just go through, I'll go through what the Federal Election Campaign Act of 71 said, and then we can talk about the first major Supreme Court case um, in the history of this sort of long... <clears throat> 
uh, long timeline to get up to Citizens United that came about to um, curtail some of these efforts. So, uh, the Federal Election Campaign Act of 71 first limited contributions to candidates for federal office. Okay, sort of broadly limited the contributions. Um, it required the disclosure of political contributions Anything over two hundred dollars, they required to be disclosed, and sort of like what Marco, like what you just said about having more transparency in government. That's that was what that was for, um, and then it provided for the public financing of federal elections. Um, can you really quick just talk about that, Marco? I know that there's, I know that even now you can, you know, if you're running for for president, you can get government funding for it, right? Right. So basically, what happens is you check a box on your tax returns that say that some portion of your return is going to go to the public financing. And so public financing is really meant for the candidate who obviously is not the mainstream and would be struggling to sort of match up. Now, but if you yeah. if you do take public that, money... This is the caveat, right. The caveat is if you take public money, then you're subjected to all of the hard caps of the Federal Election Campaign Act. Right. And so, that, so that's the binding factor. It also provided for the public... Oh, so, that's, so that's what I just said, sorry. It limited expenditures by candidates, and it limited independent right. expenditures to $1,000. Right. So basically... It also created the FEC. Sorry. Right. So basically what it did was it prevented... Um, it prevented... Um, the legislation said you could not, you know, whatever you decide to spend money on could, in the end, be limited. So, Marco, can you really quick talk about the difference between expenditures and... Uh, well, one is just spending and then one's the contribution. So, basically... Right, expenditures versus contributions, right. right. So, so expenditures is basically what I spend money on to run my campaign. As a candidate, right. Right. And so, the from the other perspective, the contribution is basically someone wants to donate to me right okay gotcha. so that you can run okay that makes sense and so this was passed in 71 like i said and later on there was a supreme court case i don't know the year i, I would assume that it was very shortly after this um but very you know a lot of legisl legislators challenged the constitutionality of the federal election campaign act in what was you know had come to be a landmark supreme court decision at the time called buckley versus vallejo and now it's 1974 thank you for that mark so buckley did three main things which are important to recognize before we talk about how the congress went back to you know to, to sort of tweak the election campaign act what it did was first it struck down limitations on candidates' and individuals' expenditures. In other words, it said that, you know, under the First Amendment, you can't limit the amount of money that candidates and individuals spend on their own campaign. That is a no-go. However, it did uphold limits on contributions to candidates. And that's sort of, Marco, why I asked you what the difference was so that we could get that clear. Because it said that if you were running, you could spend however much you want. We can't, right. the Congress cannot limit you, right? That's sort of Congress shall make no law. That's what that is about the First Amendment. But it said that if people are contributing, that needs to be limited because there's sort of that marketplace of ideas that can be, you know, any corruption or appearance of corruption right. is a problem. Right. And, 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 and just yeah, to sorry. go there for a second, um, one part that Sammy quickly mentioned was the fact that you have a ele federal election commission. So the commission itself would be appointed by the president. Um, and that's the... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Right. And so the FEC basically would be the one who would oversee these contribution limits um, and these expenditure limits. And so when you get these limits, the idea was that, you know, now all money would be public and you would know who's giving to whom, right? And Ooh, Latin right there. I like it. Huh? Accuse it. Sorry, yeah. keep going. That's okay. So, 
So basically, you get this whole thing, this whole system that now is meant to make money, all money, sort of... Transparent. Transparent. So and the and, use of the money transparent. Right. And so Marco just mentioned the, the third thing that Buckley did, which was it reformed the appointment process of the FEC. At the, at the time, and I don't know exactly, I think you said that the president appointed or, or the Congress appointed. The, 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 yeah, the, the Anyways, yeah. yeah. The, the, the point is not it's super important. The, the point is that they changed the way that the FEC... Well, it only becomes important in years where, because typically what you try to do is have, it's a non-political, uh, they're supposed to be representatives. There are, I believe, three people who were appointed... Um, two right, of the major yeah. party and one of the minor parties. It's so not, yeah, it it's sort of the nitty-gritty of it. It's some balance as, of it, yeah. Right. So, I mean, you could always look that up. You could just always Google it. And one of the interesting things, and this is something that I think we should talk about, Marco, uh, just to, to discuss about Buckley, there was Justice White had a dissent in the case. He said, and I quote, The act of giving money to political candidates, however, may have illegal or other undesirable consequences. It may be used to secure the express or tacit understanding that the giver will enjoy political favor if the candidate is elected. And this is a mortal danger, unquote. Right, because everybody believes that money buys access. So once right. you've got access, you can basically get whatever favors you want from the access. And, and that's, that's basically yeah. how money has worked in politics since the beginning. And so his argument won over the court for the limits on contributions, but it did not win over the court on the limits on expenditures. And that's sort of an important point, but we can move on now. Right. So, well, but yeah, oh, to, to stay there for a second, okay. uh, the contribution, so my ability to spend my own money is going to be big because that's the part that, you know, now as a millionaire or oh, somebody and this who, is, yes, yes, yes. So yes. if you're Donald Trump, if you're, John Corzine, if you're Meg Whitman, you can basically use your entire wealth and your assets um, to basically get yourself elected. Doesn't mean that that person will always win, but, but it's now a major the advantage, advantage right. is that in terms of money, especially in major markets, you're going to be able to buy a lot of media time. Right. And so this, this has First Amendment implications, which are very, you know, arguably very, very important. So then there was, you know, there was. The next major tweaking of the Federal Election Campaign Act came in 2002 with the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, also known as BICRA, also known as the McCain-Feingold Act. And this had a lot of, there was a lot of filibustering with this because the Republicans didn't want it, but ultimately it was passed. And it addressed two major issues. The first was that it increased the role or excuse me, um, the increased role of soft money, and we'll talk about what the difference between soft and hard money is in a second, but it prohibited national party committees, like the DNC or the RNC, from raising or spending any funds not subject to federal limits. And what that is, that national party fund, those funds that the national party raised, that is soft money, right? So what the Federal Election Campaign Act also did was it said that hard money, money that you know candidates literally give to others, or excuse me, that, that people literally give to candidates, that's hard money, right? You're, you're expressly supporting a certain candidate. However, and that ought to be limited. However, soft money is money that, you know, private interest groups can give to a party platform to further their own agenda, and that was fine. The problem is that this sort of brought in the... This this, this brought the uh, all of these different type of... of, of um, organizations and sort of uh, bundling of money to different parties, which was then funneled directly into candidates' campaigns. So there wasn't really a way to distinguish between the two, ultimately, at the end of the day, which is why the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002 
what I just said, it outlawed soft money contributions. The second thing it did, and this is also, this is an important thing that will come up in Citizens United, which we'll talk about in a second. It prohibited any issue advocacy ads, which named federal candidates specifically within 30 days of a primary or 60 days of a general election being paid for by a corporation or a union or a corporations or unions funds. So what that means is, let's say, uh, I don't know who's a congress. Let's say Cory Booker's running, right? And uh, there's, you know, there's there's an interest group. Uh, let's say Planned Parenthood wants to support him within 30 days of a pro- of the of his primary, right? Planned Parenthood cannot run an ad that says we support Cory Booker expressly. That is not allowed. Um, and so that's what that second provision is, right? So this before we get into what the next two sort of Supreme Court cases did to this these tweaks. I just, Marco, I want to talk about the difference between PACs, super PACs, 501c4s, and 527s. So that's a lot. We don't have to do all of them. Yeah, that's a lot. But um, we but could just, so, let's talk about so, them. So there are a couple of things that come out of Buckley. So there are a couple of things there. So Buckley, there, there's a, a section of Buckley, there's a footnote in Buckley that basically says, and it becomes known as the magic words test, right? So if... That was Buckley or Bikra? Buckley. So oh, in Buckley, okay. Buckley, there's a footnote that says, you know, if, because there's some question that the court really doesn't answer um, about the difference between express advocacy and issue advocacy. And what the court says is if you're using an ad and you use the language vote for, vote against, then basically what you're doing is that that's a direct, direct advocacy for a particular candidate. Right. And the court then said in a footnote in Buckley that, well, what if you didn't use those words? Then what does it become? And that's where you get this whole idea of a magic words test. That basically, you know, if you don't say you voted for, vote against, you're not expressly yeah. saying, right. don't go for this person, don't reject. Um, then basically what happens in that particular case is now you're talking about an issue ad, and those issue ads could be run sort of in an unlimited way. Um, Sammy already talked about the soft money ban and the issue there because Buckley opened up this loophole that said, you know, what if you didn't give money directly right, to candidates, you, right, you just yeah. gave it to the party or whatever. So what's interesting is John McCain, when he when he fights for uh, BCRA, um, it's actually quite fascinating because a lot of it has to do with his own experience on the campaign trail. Mm. Uh, so flush that out, yeah. That's yeah, fine. yeah. So in 2000, he's got, you know, he wins New Hampshire, he wins Iowa. Uh, he's got a, uh, is it like a 50 or 60 point lead in South Carolina, and he's heading to South Carolina. So he's got momentum behind the candidate, behind him, his candidate candidacy uh, for the Republican nomination. And so he was running for president. He was running for okay, president. Okay. And, and so McCain ends up going to South Carolina, and I'm not sure, I've heard so many different sides of the story, but there's a story that um, the George W. Bush's campaign ran, like, passed out flyers saying, you can get free beer if you go over to uh, McCain's uh, uh, campaign rallies. There was some story about the fact that, you know, uh, John McCain had you know, a colored child or something. So there were all these things that were written about him that were, let's put it, you know, obviously were not very nice and, and were not true. <laughs> to be politically was, correct, was, right? Some of it was 
just he does have uh, so smear ads basically right it was basically got dirty I mean he does have a daughter um, who he adopted he and his wife adopted but you know the race of that person isn't important to the campaign but W's campaign did make it an issue and sort of it got very dirty to the point where John McCain uh, ends up losing as we know ends up losing the nomination in 2000 and then you know kind of recedes still being this maverick everybody still thinks that he's got yeah yeah, he's a respected member of the senate so he goes back and he says i'm going to do comprehensive campaign finance reform and i'm going to close all these gaps because obviously corruption somebody's got to take stand up for ads somebody's going to stand up for all that stuff so he comes up with mccain feingold with basically closing all of the holes that he felt were obvious during him, the president, right? his own campaign. Right. So the issue ad ban, the soft money ban, right? Soft money ban, the stand by your ad part. Oh, yes, that's right. So there were a lot of things that he saw just having experienced his own presidential election that he felt were necessary to have the comprehensive legislation passed. Now, he introduces this in the Senate. Um, and then what ends up happening is, I, th- I believe George David Bush signs this into law like the Friday before recess. So it's really interesting. What happened was the first time they brought it onto the floor, and I did you know very meager research on this, so I apologize if there's anything that's um, blatantly wrong. But the point is that Mitch McConnell, who was the minority whip at the time, I believe, he filibustered the heck out of this piece of legislation. Right. Well, because the, the thing is that if you if you have the money advantage, why would you give up the advantage, right? I mean, why would you give up the... If, if you're, you're good benefiting person, right? from the <laughs> you're, system... Because he's a good person, right? right. right. But that, and that's the point. McCain wasn't doing this to For be politics, like, oh, no. a third party right. or do anything. He really felt like... This is respectable, this, yeah. This is something that needs to be done, the level playing field. So, and I, and I, I, I believe he signed BCRA like the day before yeah. recess. So, right, so Bush grudgingly with signed no, it. Yeah, with no fanfare. There was no, like, you know, how your president typically invites people over and they, you know, pass out pens. Nothing, right. I don't think this was done that way. Um, and so you end up with this, like, major... It's huge. ...campaign finance legislation right. that's significant. The problem. Oh, sorry. So yeah, the, the the problem is that with this Buckley thing laying out there that money is speech, it was just a matter of time before individuals and corporations and unions and other units that come together to kind of organize things to donate would petition to for that right as well would eventually start to challenge this piece right. of legislation and start to say, hey. You're affecting my ability to speak because that's ultimately what the court said was that you know give donating money is like speaking speaking political expression right so it would, it would need so to it'd be, be protected. protected in that way so let me ask you so I just want to go back to one thing that you said Marco so you you contend that that McCain lost the entire nomination because of those smear ads is that yeah really, really? I mean that's that's what started to happen because wow. it was in in South Carolina there were questions about his temperament oh, there were questions about you know his age would he be oh right okay. appropriate would he be um could he handle it right uh it was it was nasty i mean he it, the way he was treated was very unfair as well right and so that uh, was why putting partisanship aside it just wasn't a very nice campaign right um it's only gotten worse <laughs> right and and sort of the guys who were around uh 
Carl Rove, Lee Atwater. And these are guys who have been running campaigns forever. The, forever. And Willie, I mean, the f- most famous negative ad that's ever been made was that was that was it the was ca- a Willie Horton, you know, the the weekend furloughs against Michael Dukakis. Oh, right. Where they put the image up of an Af- of Willie Horton, who's African American, and kind of left him hanging on the uh, hanging out there on the ad for about five or right. six seconds. You see his shot. And then, you know, sh- shot of his picture. And then you have this eerie message that's going on, the you know, voiceover that's talking about how he, you know, Willie Horton was allowed to go out on a weekend furlough, which was common for most governors at the time to give furloughs to ease the prison population. Right. So they just returned to prison on Monday. I believe that's the way it worked. Um, and so while he was on, these, on this furlough, he raped and killed uh, a woman. Oh, my gosh. And so... Now the whole question was, you know, so you have this Horton ad, and the narration basically ends with, um, you know, he saw Michael Dukakis saw a crime. Oh right. And so okay. Lee, so Lee Atwater sort of nasty, was yeah. one. Of, yeah, it was very nasty. So John McCain was kind of just the most recent victim of that type of camp, those campaigns. So with McCain Feingold, this was like you know the icing on the cake. If if this was going to hold up you would have a situation where money would be regulated and everything and would transparent, be transparent. Right. The problem is its days and, and its days and hours were numbered from the start right. because of Buckley because of saying, Buckley, right. Because this of the, is speech and the, it should be protected. Because the contributions were, were unlimited. Right, and, and then not only... Or excuse the, me, the, 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 the expenditures. The, the expenditures, right. because now the question is, well, who then has the right to speak? Right. So if you're talking about the 527 that you mentioned... So you basically have these organizations that can start that are running issue ads. Right. They're not running direct They're not saying vote for, you know, they're Barack saying, Obama. They're saying they're vote not for saying, they're saying, pro-life stuff. Or vote right. For they're, not, they're not even saying that. What they're doing is they're questioning things like, you know, leadership. So Swift Boat Veterans for Truth was the most... Oh, that was that famous recent, one. Yes, right. yes, yes. That's the famous one where... They're challenging, instead of saying John Kerry or John Kerry or not vote John for John Kerry. They're saying he's a deserter. Don't vote for, right. don't vote for right. deserters. Well, he's not a deserter. Or he, but whatever he, he was, it was. like yeah. He just wasn't an effective leader on the battlefield. Right, right. He wasn't, uh, you couldn't trust his leadership. Right. And so instead of saying, and you know the message is, obviously, don't vote for right. John Kerry. Right, of course. But, but they have the legal sort of out with that. Right, because they're not using the language. Sure. So it was just a matter of time before... An organization like a 527 was going to say, hey, look, at some point, do I not have the same level of protection of freedom that you and I do right. in being able to speak? So what is a 527? So five, 527 is actually um, a piece of legislation. It actually comes from the from tax code, and it's just basically a tax-exempt organization. Uh that's basically attempts to influence elections. So five twenty sevens and and Swipo Veterans for Truth was the was the most recent example. But you also have things on the left like MoveOn.org. Right. And is this the is this the are these the organizations that the the mandate is that they spend at least fifty percent of their funds on their on like their own stuff and that they before you know like they can't contribute. More than fifty percent of funds to candidates or positions. no, that that may be a different. Are those you, packs you, or? You, you you have different 
the problem is you have so many different right organiz- organizations within the tax code. Five twenty sevens are simply it's a section of the IRS tax exempt organization. Right, they're okay. tax exempt. Their sole purpose is to influence an election. I see. Oh, so this is not that. Okay, this is not that. This is just simply like you know a group signs up. They want to influence the election. They file a you know tax code on gotcha. the five twenty seven. Okay. So all right. and they become a five twenty seven. Now you have uh, you have other things um, that form later. Um, Are these PACs and super PACs? Right. Or? Well, PACs, PACs have always been there. Right, political PACs, action committees, right. PACs have, have come from the 1960s and basically professionalization of this. You have from the 1960s when, you know, you had business organizations and you had commerce departments and you had all these different businesses that were trying to influence legislation. They set up these PACs way before, the 19, before 1970. 1970 was just sort of the, the gate, sort of the point where we started to regulate. Mm-hmm. So they were always there. Um, 527s obviously came from, came later in terms of their prominence because of BCRA. Right. Super PACs are basically, um, super PACs are basically large uh, PACs. PACs, but they're like a combination of PACs. Okay. So they're not, it's not like they can be individual packs, smaller packs, but they can also bundle. I guess that's the thing. Their super packs are could be are large packs, right. but they also can engage in what's called bundling. Okay. So they can actually a variety of packs come together, put their money together, and then donate it to a specific gotcha. candidate. So let's not. I, I don't want to get too bogged down for with the rest. And of I think the I think the other one you're thinking about was a five hundred one c four. Yeah, that was that, the, that, that, that was, was yes fifty percent. Okay, gotcha. I think. I mean, yeah, that's like again, an adoption. That's like, like an adoption center, for instance, where if, if it needs to have at least fifty one percent of its funds go to adoption, social right, social right, welfare, social like welfare, that. and then and then the other forty nine percent can go to whatever candidate they want. Right, and so what ends up happening is. Uh, or what's happened now is that you basically end up in a situation where those groups are now bundling or creating super PACs to kind of basically like, there's another huge loophole. This yeah. is how you get around, and then that's basically what happened right after right after BCRA. You get a lot of organizations that are like, okay, we've got to find loopholes around these. Well, things. That's always how it works, right? That's the American right. way. And then there's like, well, I don't know if it's the American. <laughs> I've, I've, that's uh, but the thing is about super PACs, and this is important because. Right. Even though they're super PACs and people get this like, oh, you know, this, they, they go nuts over this. They still have to report their, who they're donating money to and where the right. money is coming from. Okay. So it's not a situation, you're not living in a pre-Buckley world where all money could have gone in whatever direction or pre pre uh, FEC. Right. Yeah. So you're not living in that world. In other words, there are still there are still contribution limits, right? Right, and then you and reporting limits, right? Over two hundred. So, so Marcus. So now let's talk about the next sort of. So what happened was the BCRA, which was passed in two thousand two, like we talked about, then was challenged by Mitch McConnell, the guy who filibustered it, the guy who has this vengeance for campaign finance reform. And what happened was when it came to the Supreme Court, it came to the court in McConnell versus FEC, right? In two, I think, believe two thousand three. It was probably yeah. It was very shortly after. Um, And what this did was it said two things. One, it largely upheld the soft money ban that the BCRA had. And two, there was a quote. It said, money, like water, will always find an outlet, unquote. 
So, in other words... Money finds all the cracks. Exactly. That's what you were talking about with those loopholes. So, the government is justified in taking steps to prevent schemes developed to get around contribution limits. In other words, like like we were talking about with those loopholes at super PACs and 527s and 501c4s, we're trying... All these business investors that want to get their interests represented in government, we're trying to find these loopholes. And McConnell said that government can say, no, you, you can't do that. And they, they, they are authorized... It's not unconstitutional to pass legislation that limits those sort of conniving side routes to get around major campaign finance reform. And that was the important part about McConnell. Now, the next case, and this is sort of, this one was also sort of the beginning of that, like I said, this sort of big trend of devolution in terms of federal campaign uh, finance reform. We get to FEC versus Wisconsin right to life. And this, I believe, was, this is the main case that Justice Chief Justice Roberts this is, you know, his, he was fiery in this case. He said, quote, you know, he was using very sort of, um, uh, like, vituperations and very sort of, um, the, the, these these very biting remarks that you would, you know, typically you would see in a Scalia thing, uh, in a Scalia descent. And so he, he said, quotes, like, enough is enough, um, a quote, like, blackout periods when they you know, went talking about campaign finance reform, and quotes, like, we give benefit of doubt we give the benefit of the doubt to speech, not censorship. So, in other words, he's very, very adversarial to any type of campaign finance reform and believes that money... Basically, th this paves the way. It's like, you know, it, it, it's it's the stepping stone to Citizens United, which ultimately happened um, a few years later. And all of these cases, McConnell, Wisconsin Right to Life, uh, the, and, and even the, the legislation, Federal Election Campaign Act and the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, were all very, very heavily... Um, discussed in Citizens United. Like that was, if you listen to the oral arguments, they, they mentioned one of those, those four things that I just said, um, like every two minutes, like it's crazy. Um, and, and what we see in Citizens United is that John Roberts has this vengeance. Like I just said in Wisconsin Right to Life, he has this vengeance for, um, like a vendetta against, uh, all campaign finance reform. And, uh, so Marco, why don't you why don't you run down for us what happened in Citizens United? What what was why is this case significant and why why is it sort of why do liberals hate it? Why do people get I guess who who want fairness in politics hate it? Talk about it for a second. Why has it become such a contentious sort of um, notorious issue? So so basically, you, you Sammy just gave you some of the cases, but you have um, there are more by the way, yeah. Yeah, well, there are tons. I mean, well, not tons. There's there's a good helping of campaign finance reform cases. Yeah. So um, when you look at wait, 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 okay, so the <laughs> issue the issue with this is which of these components of BCRA do you go after, right? So if you follow the logic from Buckley, money is speech, but but. It can be limited so long as, and it's Sammy just told right? you about McConnell versus FEC, where the idea is that money finds all the cracks, all of that money is going to, you know, so basically... Government can stop that if they want. Right. And there's always, there's this thought of corruption, that Apparent, money will right. corrupt yeah. the the process, and so as a result of it... Or you'd perceived have this, corruption, right. Right, because you would have this quid pro quo, yes. right, of I give you money and then you give sure. me favors, and I think... I that was the Roberts's. Descent, yeah. I think Roberts's issue with this is, you've got to show the quid quo, quid quo, quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. <laughs> Sorry, um, you have to show that. You would have to demonstrate that 
yes, this money is going for this particular and, reason. And there's and another thing that I think was really interesting was that they always talked about this was sort of where you get into strict scrutiny. So why don't you talk about? Can, can you just explain what strict scrutiny is? So so it's just basically you, you, it's just basically the idea of it's, it's, yeah, it's, how rigorous is the court looking at you know. Uh, the approach in terms of getting to the solution of the case, but but I think yeah. so. The question is, you know, what does the government have to prove? Right. So, and what's a compelling reason yes. why you need this legislation? Yeah. And did you achieve the compelling reason in a way that was least restrictive, that didn't take away everybody's rights? And and yeah. And so so in this particular instance, is there? And it just I'm sorry to interrupt, but there, yeah. it's very important that there needs to one of the things that you have to show, and this is, goes to the history of the of the canon of strict scrutiny, is that you have to show that there is not a more, uh, or excuse me, there is not a less um, uh, invasive way of achieving right. the same right. result. Right, and that's what achieving the ends with the least restrictive means. The problem is, right. it's a question of, well, when you look at BCRA, there's so much there. Right, it's a huge, yeah. That you have, it's a matter of time before the cookie starts to crumble. Right. And especially if you have a court that's looking at this and specific judges on that court <laughs> who are looking at this and saying, well, you're, it's, it's sort of judicial activism on the right. Yeah, that's exactly what you're what doing is you're narrowing speech beyond what, or, or harming speech right. by erecting these and, sort of and that's things. And that's what Breyer says, right? So Justice Breyer... So in other words, what you have is you have a coalition on the right on the court during Citizens United. Um, you have... Well, ju- well, 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 let's... Before we get to Citizens oh, United, there okay. are some parts here that we sort of have to tackle. So McCain... So McCain-Feingold. Uh, so in McConnell versus FEC, the court basically says... This thing is constitutional, yeah. Because again, the compelling reason here is it's very with money. You're finds you're preventing corruption from happening. You're going after that quid pro quo corruption. So the court pretty much upholds the ban on soft money because in McCain Feingold, the ban was right. That's what we said. Yeah. Soft money. So that's important because now that's one lynch. That's one component of this legislation that now. Is constitutional. Is is protected by precedent, or and becomes precedent. We can't go back. The other parts. So there's this whole question of election communi- the electioneering issue communication. Has, right. So the court in Wisconsin Right to Life doesn't really go into the definition of express advocacy, except to say, look, we gave you the magic words test in yes, right. Buckley. However, um, you can't prevent. You, you 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 can't prevent the speech from happening. So you can't the sixty day um, ad ban is no unconstitutional. It doesn't work. You're basically again if you're restricting speech beyond a government's compelling interest. Right, and the <clears throat> and the problem is that in Buckley in in McConnell you didn't have an actual way of judging what this ad was and the influence of its ad because again the only thing you can regulate is the quid pro quo corruption corruption that's what you're targeting so if congress is writing this legislation then it's specifically going after that type of corruption where you have to prove that there is that in this fact is terrible corruption. stuff and this is going to be huge for congressional elections this is going to be huge for state elections because now essentially what you're doing is there's plausible you, you, deniability you, right right and you, it was a possible deniability. let's not be negative like <laughs> but the the idea is that no but you know what i mean right it's it's right you, you you would still need to have 
this issue of it's got to be so clear, transparent, that I, right? But, but the, the problem, like, and the pro- I guess my my issue with that, and I, that's not always the case because you do have outsiders who influence state and congressional elections that are not Koch brothers, George Soros, right? That are not public, right? And you have G, uh, uh, Crossroads GPS. You have all these other groups that are somehow involved. Yeah, right, uh, Tom right. Steyer. Uh, you have all in, both on the left, on the right. Uh, Koch brothers get a lot of attention because they're they're you know, rich as they, well. They've become <laughs> they've become sort of mythical, uh, not mythical. Maybe because of their um, their hiding in the backgrounds and the shadows. They right. kind of look like Wizard of Oz, and everybody yeah. speculates about right. what they are. But they were actually not as far right. No, they're not. You're right. As some people believe, the thing is that for the Koch brothers, they have a very specific agenda that they support. Coal. Right, and protection of of energy and energy ideas. Oil, right. And then you also have that on the left. You have, I believe, his name is Tom Steyer, who supports environmental causes on the left. In other words, it's on both sides, right? <clears throat> right. So this is this is a system, and we we need to be clear about this. Right. This is a system that benefits both of the parties. This is not one where. Democrats do fare better because of who their interests are in terms of Hollywood and some other places. But basically, they're the same. It's just a question of which one do you like more or which one do you like well, less? Because Hillary Clinton this week... But then why... Ago, but then, so hold on. So then why do Republicans... Why do Republicans, you know, um, vaunt over this, over Citizens United and, 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 the, and the Democrats absolutely hate it? Because there's a lot of mis... There's a lot of press that happens with Citizens United that I think people don't necessarily understand. And I do think that in some parts of Citizens United, what what happened... So when you get to Citizens United, the issue with Citizens United... Corporations is and unions, right. The corporations are obviously far... Uh, not far right, but they're on the right. Well, they, run, they ran a 90-minute... Well, let's just be, let's be very, very specific. They ran a 90-minute um, sort of infomercial documentary against well, Hillary yeah, Clinton well, for the 2008... Well, let's go back... Let's oh, go we back. keep going back. All let's right, go let's, back. let's go back. Let's go back. We have to go back because we have to give proper context. Okay. So you have this organization called Citizens United. Okay. They obviously produce a documentary. As That's right, said. what I said, yeah. The documentary was not publicly available. So it oh, wasn't like... This is a very... It wasn't yes, like... Yes, 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 It yes. was... Because it's very different. You, you have, have to buy into it. Right. right. You ha- It was on demand. So you would have to go to like the specific channel on your... Cable box. Watching say, a fight. You got to pay for it. Yeah, yeah and you got to pay for it. So, so this is not like dumping leaflets right. from a helicopter, and that is very important. You're and, right. and that's important because this is getting access. Now, what happens with this case, and this goes back to the problem that the left has with this case. This case was originally going to be argued um, in two thousand and nine. I believe that was the original date of the arguments. And what happens um, is, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, it was re-argued in March. Yes, that's right. And then, so what happened was basically John Roberts, I guess a vote must have happened in conference. Nobody really knows. It's all speculation. A vote happened in conference. In the Supreme Court, right? On, yeah, on the, on the Supreme Court's conference, on Conference Friday. And so what happens is there's this story that Kennedy wasn't really there yet in terms of, you know, Kennedy had some questions that I guess circulated either through draft review or, you know, somewhere, and I forget the exact context, but basically Kennedy had, needless to say, Justice Kennedy had some questions. 
so Robert says, I guess in his mind, says, look, if you have questions, let's get these questions answered. Let's relist the case. So let's have the case re-argued right. later that year. To get those questions answered, right? Right, to get these questions answered, because obviously... Because he wants Kennedy. He wants, he wants his decision, right? Well, he wants he wants a, he wants a fair he wants a Consensus, court yeah. to respond to this. So basically, <laughs> oh, he, stop. you so, know. So, what doing. so basically, what happens, and this is this is one of those things where if you listen to the oral arguments, they're very interesting. By the way, well, they're, they're, they're fascinating. I'll put links they, to it in the, in the, the, the show first. Notes. The first solicitor, the I believe first, the, it's Elena Kagan. The, the, no, no, the, the second one. The first one. Oh yes, is terrible. a deputy solicitor oh, God, general. Yeah. Basically, there's this question about. Oh yeah. yeah if yeah. I wrote a book. Yes, yes, and there was and one page whole, in one the page, entire and book. I, after I, I wrote this 500-page book, and, and one, at the very last I said, page, vote said, for Jones, right, right. Could government regulate Censor that? Right. The publication of the that book. was John Roberts' hit home question, right. And so Roberts turn, so Roberts asked the attorney at the time who's arguing this before the court, and the person says, yeah, yes, because technically. And now the court we've never regulated, and this is important because you've never First Amendment has never way. been. Never, never. Let's never. go public. You know, prior restraint. We don't publish. We don't prevent the publication of In anything book, before right. it's published. You can't so do it. this is huge. And so when he responds and says yes, that that just that was like a nail in the coffin. That's kind of like, and I, and I think the problem was that I have to go back and listen yeah, again. But I think Alito like backs up the question and says, "He's like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, wait." I, is that really yeah. what you mean? No, and yeah, the, the problem is that that solicitor general was so bad. well. It wasn't the solicitor, De- deputy? It was a, excuse me, it was the deputy. The, I deputy, think it was the deputy. The solicitor. deputy was so bad. I mean, you listen to, to Ted Olson, who was arguing uh, for the for Citizens United, and he. I mean, the guy is a very cogent arguer. I mean, he has very very clear points. Right, but he's also great. been solicitor general. Yeah, he's argued. Also, he's he's huge. He's huge. Court, he's a big name. He's but, actually one of my favorite people. And the the point. I mean, he's not as good as Waxman, but he's good. The, the court. That, so what happened was in the arguments Elena Kagan comes in and she is currently a justice on the Supreme Court and she oh my god this woman is brilliant she so not only does she change the government's position says no look we can't censor that but she argues in such a more compelling way um that I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm sorry that Kennedy went the wrong way but well <laughs> I, I, it, what's funny is that when Elena Kagan's asked a question Elena Kagan with oh, she's got a great sense of humor basically turns around and says wait the government's position has changed on the answer to that question because remember, in that first argument, you basically have the answer is yes. We can censor, right? We can censor, and then Kagan's basically like, no, 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 you no can't no. do that. No, no, we obviously pat can't on do the that. head. No, right. sorry, you, you, try you again. Obviously, can't do that. <laughs> but then what happens is, you know, basically now what campaign laws are being written about, you basically have. Well, wait, hold on. Can we just back up real quick? So, what was the decision in Citizens oh, United? Oh, so yeah. wait, wait. Let's talk about the video. Right, we, we didn't even get there. So, okay. Oh my gosh. There's so many great stuff here. So much great stuff. Um, so the video so is to, basically pay for it. it's so it's video on demand. Um, uh, it's video on demand, and basically the whole video is. Uh, by the way, the deputy general solicitor general's name is Malcolm Stewart. He's the one who suggested the book. He was not. Yeah. So I don't know where he is now. But um, anyway, so but so the, the whole point of the so the whole the whole point of the video was said trashing it, it, was just, it was just yeah it Demolishing was a ninety him. minute. I've never seen it, but it's an, and I've thought about purchasing it, but it's a ninety-minute. Let's um, watch it together. We'll make it a decisive special. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do like a movie after. We could yeah, do we'll a do some after the movie. <laughs> a review, uh, yeah, yeah. We could like. Anyways, we, we, we do like decisive at the movie. I love it. I love so, it. So, 
so you have this 90 minute video that basically gathers a bunch of people who don't like Hillary Clinton. Right. And so basically without, you know, you don't have to read between the lines here. It's pretty obvious. This is all about how she cannot be president. Yeah. She and this is for be the affected. and by the way, this is for the 2008 she, uh, DNC nomination. Right. So so basically the question then became, you know, could 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 Citizens United uh, could, could they do it? Could they issue? Could they, you know, run this? Right. Could they run this? And then, um, what was you know? What, what, so, so what happens with this video? Is it you know sixty days before the election? The thirty days? That whole scheme that was established by bipartisan campaign reform act? And basically, what the court says in this particular case is that um, if you're prohibiting the broadcasting of media. Um, within that 30 to 60 days, if you're banning that publication, then in essence, what you're doing is restricting speech. Right. So now corporations... And so what, yeah, so let's, let's, what does it really mean? Yeah. And then non-profit organizations all, all have basically the right are, they're to speak. people. Right, they're people. Well, it's not that they're people. No, it is. I mean, that's... that's it's not that they're people. Oh, come is on. That that's have, what it is. Is that they have the right... So now the issue in this They're protected under the First Amendment for free speech, like people. Right. Well, right. Not, not like people. What do you mean, not like people? Like people. Well, the 14th Amendment does that. No, but no, no. Um, we're talking First Amendment. People are protected to have their right of free speech. Yes, and, 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 and what this says is, well, corporations are too. Yes. So and so basically, it likens them to that. I mean, that, that that's the problem. And so then, when you talk about like, okay, well, when Ford kill, you know, when their like plant kills several people, what happens? They get fined. Well, if they're people, you know, why don't they get thrown in jail? That's what people. That was what happened. If because if you're a person and you kill people, yeah, you just get fined. So I, anyway, I, I, that by the way, the, that's, the, that's John Oliver's point. By the, the way, that's the, not my point. Uh, yeah. So so. The, so basically, what you end up with grave implications is, is, is a bipartisan campaign reform act now that's largely gutted. It's so basically, what's gone now, the only thing that's been upheld is the safe, the soft, soft money ban. Right. Now you have the the issue ads are gone. You have um, a year later, I believe it's a year later. Um, is that Hobby Lobby? No, in McCutcheon versus FEC. Oh yes, yes, yes. You then have the the aggregate limits because basically. What they and this is not this is not a year later. This is four years later. In McCutcheon versus FEC, you basically have, uh, well, in BCRA you have these contribution limits on the aggregate, and those are then blown off uh, the aggregate. Um, so that's that's so, limited, right? So, so I guess that, what, that's gone. What I want to talk about just quickly before we so, so basically yeah. there's nothing left. Right basically of the BCRA, there's nothing. There's um, nothing left. And so, what, what I want to talk about are the, are the really the implications of this, because sort of what, what we talk about. For, let's let's bring this back to sort of judicial methodology, right? We talk about um, furthering principles of active liberty in the Constitution, looking to what the original text means. If we're Scalia, um, would I mean, would the framers? I mean, I think it's a very legitimate argument to make um, that the framers would not have thought. That um, that corporations or unions would have the right to to have money be their speech. I mean, that's not. I mean, I think it's. I think you have a lot of problematic um, results when you take the realm of free speech and expression that was granted to people, and you know, to furthering their own interests of political discourse and discussion, which are you know fundamental to a to a liberal democracy with a lowercase l. Um, when you have a lot of very problematic results when you then say, okay, not only are people protected in this free marketplace of ideas, but corporations and unions who have unlimited money and, you know, have far more power than people's voices, 
now have you know free reign to to wreak whatever havoc they want in terms of promoting their own views. And I think that you're right. This is either it's either a problem on both the left and the right, or it's a great thing for special interests on both the left and the right. But the issue, what I would say, is just generally this case. I mean, citizen. What what my problem with Citizens United is that I fundamentally don't think that there's any justification for saying that there is completely free reign for corporations to use all of the money that they have to further their own interests in politics. I, 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 you know, honestly, I think that's an ideological question. I don't know that's, that that's one that's constitutional. I, I, think, I think that you're digging into the heart of the problem, right? It's a question of what happens in those circumstances where the little guy... So right to speak, uh, ends up yeah. ends up not having enough you know is it, 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 their vote that whole notion of one person one vote right i mean yeah. completely skewed if you have a corporation with so much money right. that can just change and, 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 and so i i you know i think that that has grave implications wouldn't you agree i mean that's yeah no i i'm not disagreeing with that i think i think the issue is uh money talks in politics and unfortunately the only way to fix that problem is really to come up with either a system of that's entirely built on public finance, um, right? Like Bernie Sanders, right? And so you have you know only only this people, money, right? And now that goes back to would that survive constitutionally, given the cases that you've, you've heard? Well, probably wouldn't, unless and you obviously totally wouldn't, different, unless you had a different the court. Warren Court, yeah. right? Well, or if again we we've, we've been talking about some of these episodes getting to five, right? In all of these cases, we're talking about five, four decisions. We're not talking about unanimous decisions. So clearly, there are issues where a different composition of the court gets you to would a get you result. right. There's so yeah. because again, I don't know that there is a system that's perfect, and I don't know that people can agree a hundred percent with hundred percent certainty as to what that system would look like and how that system would fine, work. Fine, but that's not the court's but job, I think, right? I, 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 no, but I think our society as a culture, whatever... Oh, I see. I think, I, I, I think the issue that initially people had with Citizens United was that since the perception is, at least from the media perspective, that Republicans have this gap, the, the, this... Um, are running ahead. This astronomical advantage. Right. right? But it's not, really. and not, because it, it, it basically impacts both yeah. parties. So I think, well, I like think, I said, it's either a problem or or a great thing for both sides, right? Or, but to come up with a solution, you know, there isn't one without fundamentally changing changing the system. The system. And I think I think that, well, that's what Fika tried to do. That's what Bikra tried to do. I mean, right, right. But the problem with all those cases is that you you really need a constitutional amendment. I mean, that's really what you need. See, the problem is I'm not even sure a constitutional amendment would do it at this point because I think what you need to do is you need to get rid of. I hate to say this too, you have to get rid of the initial Buckley ruling and not have money count as speech. And money just be money. In other words, strike down limits on contribution. Uh, strike down limits. Strike down on- the whole scheme. Right. But the problem there is that you go, you're going, you're reverting back. Like decades it, it, of, it, of you, class, yeah. yeah. And it's not really going to help the situation. There's no way to really change the situation unless you introduce sort of like a. A federal reserve of campaign finance. Well, what I will say is this, and this we can sort of, we can, you yeah, can, we I'll can let win. you have the last word afterwards. No, no, it's fine. No, you can have the last word. No, I, I really don't mind. Please, please. <laughs> we're we're going to disagree about who's going to have the last word. No, but what I, what my, my thing is this. 
if you were going to say that corporations have the same speech rights as people, then they need to have the same repercussions that people do as well. Corporations are not held to the same standards in many other um, realms and fields that people are in terms of their constitutional rights. And I think that that's that the, because of the size of the matter, because of the 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 the, um, the vast sort of span of of the span, excuse me, of the um, of their influence there need to be commensurate repercussions when they overstep or when there is any type of fraud that goes on. Like I said before, I was sort of being facetious about the whole John Oliver point where it's like, well, yeah, I mean, when people kill people, they get jailed. When corporations kill people, they just get fined, right? That's sort of, I mean, that's taking it to the extreme, but I think the point is that there needs to be, if like, and this sort of goes to my anger with the whole Wall Street problem in 2008, there needs to be crackdown on fraud in corporations, period. Well, but and, the problem, but, but, and I'm glad that you bring up 2008 because I think I think the financial crisis introduced an interesting problem, right? Because basically, the legislation that's come after the financial crisis, Dodd Frank, right? Dodd Frank has also been sort of gutted, gutted because of special it's, interests. It's, the only, truthfully, I think I, you know, this is going to be a problem of so democratic politics. How do we fix it? I mean. <laughs> You know, I I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe we don't know. I mean, I, no. I, I honestly, the only way to fix it is to change the system. Is no. I oh. mean, the other way to fix it is to get equal strength of organizations, right? So if you have your NRA that on the right, then you build an NRA on the left. Somebody who's going to fight the right. Well, I'm sure there are. Fight. I mean, I, I well, but but that's the only way. That's in the other only words, way to. So in other words, now that, we have, now that we have this system, like, use it, in other words. Right, because if you don't, you're not winning. Right. That's, right, I mean, and that's honestly, why, I guess ultimately, that's why liberals are crying about right. this. Right, and I think, because I think, I, I think the, you know, the reason why liberals cry about it is because they were playing by a different set of rules than the other team is. Because they're being, I think a lot of the times they're being a lot more honest than the Republicans are about this, Marco. That's Right, the point. but if you want to win... But that's I see that's my right? problem. Why when politics, you have uh, politics this is like is Frank about... Underwood politics. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, well, I guess so. But the the idea is that if, if you have to win, you have to play if, dirty, if yeah. you want to be in these positions, you have to win. You can't be president when you've lost. So, I, well, I guess you suppose I suppose you can, but nobody's going to take you seriously. But the idea is that you're you have to play by the same rules. Right. And if you're going to play by the same rules, then that's the only way to ensure. The Throw efficacy out the window. There we go. Well, but I think I check think, your soul at the door. Yeah. Well, I guess that may be the only way to do this. All right. So. Anyway, so like like in Bikra or like in Bikra, where we have to stand by your ad, Marco. Let's stand by our ad. I'm Sammy Landino, and I'm Marco Markolovic, and we approve this message. <laughs> Goodbye, guys.